Hey guys, this is former WCW wrestling star Glacier Ray Lloyd, and I just wanted to make sure that you tune in to Perched on the Top Rope before blood runs cold on you. So make sure you listen or watch. Either way, make sure you check out Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. That's right, it's me, it's me. It's the DSH Lee Walker joining me today. As you heard from that opener, we have WCW's Glacier. Glacier, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Lee. How you doing, man? I'm I'm doing great, Ray. And uh, we got some fun and exciting questions. And later on, we're going to talk about uh, a little something that you've been putting in the works. Yeah. And uh, it, it, fans, you're going to love this, Ray. Now, before you were in wrestling, we we know that you were in martial arts, involved with martial arts. You were part yeah. of the World Karate Association. It, uh, they, they did these full contact tournaments and everything. And yeah, long time um, ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing I found interesting the most through my research was the fact that during your time with the WKA, you'd, you'd never been knocked down, knocked out or anything. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that was just one of the reasons why. I, and of course, you and I have had some great conversations leading up to us finally getting to where we could uh, record one of these uh, episodes here. But, uh, um, you know, I, I started studying martial arts when I was a kid. I was about uh, 14, 15 years old. Uh, and, you know, uh, like most people, my twin brother and I saw a Bruce Lee movie and we, uh, we told our dad we want to learn how to do that. And I grew up in Brunswick, Georgia. Um, and one of the things that Brunswick is really, really known for, even to this day, is uh, there's a huge... Uh, it was a former uh, military base. I think it was a naval base, but it was uh, uh, it's now the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center where people come from all over the world, actually, to train in law enforcement techniques. And it's uh, uh, people from the U.S. Marshal Service uh, to uh, Border Patrol, uh, you name it, they all train there. So uh, when my dad went, went searching for some qualified instructors, um, that's where he found uh, the two men that were going to be not only my instructors, but, uh, but lifelong mentors and coaches and trainers and, and more than anything, friends, uh, Bob Natsky and Frank Graves. And uh, so that's where my roots in martial arts started was I was studying with them in Brunswick. Um, of course, when I went to college uh, and, of course, under their encouragement, I branched out. Uh, and worked or trained with uh, with uh, other people in other uh, forms of martial arts, uh, and which and I always my brother was really into boxing, which uh, which uh, back you know if you were if you came up in the seventies and eighties, I mean that's when you know like you know boxing was was still the big big thing, you know, especially the heavyweights, which which we loved watching. So um, you know uh, when I got to college, uh, I, I went to Valdosta State University on football scholarship, and always stayed in pretty good shape because uh, obviously uh, during football season. Uh, you know, we were playing, but then in the off season, uh, we had we had a really, really good strength and conditioning program. But you know, as I got through my first couple years of college, I started you know thinking about, and, and I did a lot of, of, of tournaments and stuff coming up. Um, and uh, but you know, uh, tournament karate is especially back then was more uh, semi contact. It wasn't uh, full full contact, and so. Um, I was, I just got to that point where I was like, you know what? Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at this, but at the end of the day, I just want to learn. I want to know, I want to learn and, and to find out if I can just take a punch, you know, <laughs> like I want to know I can maybe take somebody's best shot, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, that's probably the reason that, that one of the reasons that led me into my pro wrestling career is the fact that I just, I tend to love contact of all kinds, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, 
But yeah, I, you know, I was very fortunate that right there in Valdosta, uh, there was a gentleman named Bruce Edwards. Uh, his father was an old uh, cut man from back in the day, in the, from the boxing days. We actually called his father. We referred to him as Cut Edwards. And uh, uh, and you know, and I really I can't remember how I actually ran into him, or uh, but I remember we somehow we met in Valdosta. I think it might have been at a football game, or or we had a mutual friend that was at a game or something. Anyway, he uh, I was looking for a place to train because I was away from home. Uh, and he started telling me about that he trained these guys in full contact karate, uh, which was just, you know, I was like a kid at Christmas when I heard that. So I uh, went to train, um, started training with him. There were a lot of really good athletes that were training there. Um, a couple of guys that were bigger guys like me there as well. So I had some guys to really, really uh, test me and I could kind of test them. And yeah, and then I started, um, you know, uh, and back then the rules were, were um, you could, uh, the kicks had to be from the waist up. And, uh, and I believe back then, we did, um, it was either two or three minute rounds, but we had to do like six kicks, I think, above the waist every round. So if you're super heavyweight like I was, that's asking an awful lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you had, to, you had to get those kicks in in a hurry, you know? And uh, yeah. so, um, but, uh, and, and eventually, and, I, and, and so what I did, yeah, I was very fortunate. I found out I could take a good punch and uh, uh, yeah, I was never, 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 uh, never knocked out, uh, never even really, never knocked down, never even got a standing eight count, um, you know? So, uh, so I found out, I, I, I set out, I achieved my goal to find out if I could take a punch or not. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, you won a championship in the process there too. Yeah, yeah, I won the Southeastern Super Heavyweight title, which was really, really cool. And uh, uh, as you and I were talking uh, a while back, uh, David Barber, who has uh, been someone I've reconnected with through social media, uh, was the guy in, kind of in Georgia who was really in charge of, of recruiting and and bringing people in and promoting. And uh, and he was uh, he was world bantamweight champion back in uh, when he fought. And uh, so anyway, yeah, it, it was it was great competition and. Um, uh, and I got a chance to, like I said, I got a chance to, to run with a little bit and, uh, and it was great because I had all my college buddies when I would, you know, when I would have a fight, they would come and, you know, yell and scream at like idiots in the stands, you know, when, <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, some of my teammates and uh, some of my fraternity brothers and stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, but I tell you what, it really did, um, it was a huge confidence builder for me because it really did allow me to, uh, to test myself you know, uh, all out, you know, and, uh, you know, going my best, uh, against, you know, competitors and them giving me their best. And, uh, as, as I joked with you a while back, uh, what I learned pretty quick is, is that if I could get to about the third round, most of them got pretty gassed and, uh, I could usually, um, you know, just take over after about the third round. Cause, uh, I would just let them kind of punch them, punch and kick themselves out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they tired themselves out. It's yeah. Yeah. It's a game plan. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> How did you make the transition from martial arts into pro wrestling? And did you find the training for pro wrestling to be harder than martial arts or was martial arts harder than wrestling? Um, I always say pro wrestling. When I, when I trained for pro wrestling, it was, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And, 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 and my martial arts training was, was very, very tough at times. My two instructors were very, very traditional in the sense of, uh, my, my one instructor, um, uh, Mr. Bob Natsky, was the head of physical training for the U.S. Marshal Service, the entire U.S. Marshal Service. And um, and like, for example, like we were just like he just turned 80 years old. We were laughing about this recently, how he would have four classes a day where they would run each class would run four miles and he would run with all four classes. So that's 16 miles a day he would be running. And uh and still leading the pack. I mean, so that the, him and, and my, uh, and my, my head instructor, uh, Frank Graves, they were both tremendous athletes. So 
they very much believed in and, and working really hard. And so, um, and so back in the days when I was having, we'd have to hold those stances forever and, and just, uh, oh, I could go into just a whole hours worth of stories about that. But, but my martial arts training was very, very hard. It wasn't, they were not, it wasn't a commercial uh, school. You had to, your first month was like on a probationary period. After the first month, they, they let you know if you were going to be worthy to stay there and train with them. Uh, so I, I really, really had to earn my stripes every time I went in there. And then, of course, football, uh, you know, I, a lot of football, I, I re- always say martial arts helped me so much with uh, how to uh, control my weight and my body uh, out on the football field. Uh, it really did. And same thing once I got into pro wrestling, I realized there were a lot of, just because I'd already learned how to roll and, and, and all those things and the stuff that, you know, you, those are the basic things you learn when you start wrestling training, too. So, um, yeah, they all kind of uh, meshed together, which was nice. But just the fact that, uh, as I tell all of our trainees at the Nightmare Factory, you know, I really believe God did not make us to be pro wrestlers. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, I, I just, you know, there's, there's no way, you know, our bodies were intended just to, you know, to, to throw ourselves full speed onto a, uh, you know, a pretty hard surface over and over and over and then get thrown onto and, and uh, through and over and into things. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it helped me a lot. It still to this day does um, because even when I, when I'm uh, coaching, all of our trainees, uh, there's certain things that I share with them uh, that, uh, you know, just are, are things that are, you know, things that me, I personally can bring to the table because of my martial arts background. And um, and it's allowed me to meet some great people along the way, too. Some of my martial arts heroes and one of my best friends to this day, Ernest Cat Miller, my tag team partner, um, you know, it, you know, he's uh, just, you know, he actually comes to our, our training school and actually uh, on his own time, he, he doesn't get paid anything for it. He comes in and he actually works with a couple of our trainees who are trying to incorporate martial arts into their wrestling. And, uh, and he comes, I mean, you can't get any better than, than that three-time world karate champion coming out and just giving up his time to, to help some wrestling trainees. So, so yeah, I kind of went a long way around to answer that question, but yeah, martial arts really <laughs> did help me in, in uh, football and wrestling, but yeah, hands down as, as tough as football and martial arts were wrestling, pro wrestling training and, 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 and just staying in the pro wrestling industry hardest thing hands down i've ever done i really really cringe when people say that uh oh that you know that that ring is like a trampoline or or you know you guys don't really hit each other and all that stuff i, I always say you know that ring with a trampoline i haven't i've been looking for 34 years i haven't found that ring yet. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no yeah if it's out there i haven't found it i've looked <laughs> yeah I've, i mean i've got the i've got the i've got the same boards that are that are uh on my deck right now that, that you guys land on. I'm pretty sure that yeah. that's not a trampoline. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. You know, what's uh, I actually saw, I think it was, uh, I think it was Rudy Gonzalez and, and a lot of people know Rudy in the business. He's a, a trainer out in Texas. I actually um, had a big hand in training Daniel Bryan. And uh, he put up a couple of pictures recently about how people say that like, Oh, the, the canvas, you know, is, is really super soft. And all that. he put a picture of Andre the giant Hulk Hogan in their match. And you and you can see he really it's it's a great picture to you know to give to prove his point is that you know Andre's not sinking into the mat at all you know you look at his feet I mean he's not and so when people say oh that mat's soft and you know it's cushiony trust me it's it's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> early in your career with the NWA you got to face the likes of the great Muda yeah. the fabulous Freebirds. And as well as Kevin Sullivan and I believe it was <laughs> Wyndham in the uh, uh, or no, it was Rotunda in the, uh, Rotunda. the varsity club. Yeah. Did you get, um, you know, early in your career, 
you know, wrestling these, these great talents, did, did you ever get any advice from them? And did you use any of your martial arts in wrestling back then? You know, um, I will say this, uh, you know, Tommy Wildfire Rich, uh, I met him earlier in my career, really in the first year of my career. And, and, and there's a great friend of mine named Ben Masters, who was a promoter of what was called Peach State Wrestling back in the day. And, and he, he was a young promoter, but he brought in tons of great, especially legendary wrestling talent like Bullet Bob Armstrong, Mr. Wrestling 2, uh, Ted Oates, um, you know, and of course, uh, um, Tommy Wildfire Rich. And, and I got to meet uh, Tommy and, and he kind of uh, befriended me. And, uh, and I think he, I like to think he saw some, some potential in me. And uh, so it was after, um, it was a second summer. I was in, I broke it in April of 87. This was the summer of 89. And uh, he basically said, hey, look, you know, uh, uh, do you want to try to do some, some matches you know, with NWA, you know, and, and, uh, and I said, well, sure. You know, I mean, what was I going to say? You know? <laughs> and so, um, my very first match ever, and I've talked about this several times, uh, I got booked for the Albany County, Albany Civic Center, Albany, Georgia against uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed. And, uh, and it really was my first, uh, experience to, to be in the ring with someone of that level who was that big and that powerful and that strong. And who really, uh, I got to see, you know, who, who really knew what he was doing in the ring. And because he knew what he was doing in the ring, obviously I didn't get hurt. And, uh, and that, um, I've always, and, you know, the thing is that I rarely crossed paths with him after that. Uh, and, but, uh, I always, you know, was, it was one of those things where when I did, I always, always thanked him for, uh, for just, and, and I know it's a match. He, it was just a blip on, on his entire career. He probably didn't even remember me, but I remembered it. And I remember the fact that he could have taken advantage of a, a really young wrestler and he didn't, he actually was the ultimate professional and, and you know, word got back to Tommy that the match went well. And so they called me and this was a Sunday night, I believe. And back then they were taping at center stage in Atlanta, which of course has become an iconic place for filming wrestling. Uh, is, uh, they, um, they did on Wednesday night tapings, I think. So I had a few days off and then he was like, Hey, come to TV on Wednesday. So I go, I walk into TV at center stage. I'm scared to death. I don't know anybody. I've only been in the business for barely two years. And, uh, and back then, you know, everybody was good. I mean, everybody. And so um, I get there, and my first TV match ever was uh, was against Great Muda, you know. And of course, he was getting pushed to the, to, you know, to all heights because this was his real first run in the state, you know, in the in, in the United States. And uh, so in that match, I had you know Gary Hart managing Great Muda wrestling, Great Muda. I had Tommy Young, legendary referee Tommy Young. Uh, and uh, Jim Ross and Michael PSH commentating the match. <laughs> so, you want to talk about pressure? <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But um, but yeah, you know, I'd say who helped me an awful lot back then. Uh, other than and Tommy Rich did an amazing job. I'm still great friends with Tommy to this day, and, and I always thank him for everything he did to to help me out early on. Um, uh, Tommy Young, referee Tommy Young, who who's you know who retired not too many years after that because uh, he, he ended up having a, an injury. But uh, he was you know as a referee. He really, really just, uh, you know, he was one of those, I was always, you know, like a sponge. I was like, I wanted to listen to, you know, the, the people who, who were really good at this. I wanted to try to learn from them. And he, and he, and he was just like that with everybody. I mean, he was a guy that, um, even though, you know, uh, uh, and anybody that's been in the wrestling business, anybody that's a real fan of wrestling knows how truly valuable a good referee is in, in a, in a wrestling match. And, um, and he was just a stand up person. He's just very professional. Um, and, he just, you know, he would talk to a bunch of us and, and really give us insight into from a referee's perspective of this is what uh, when you're out there and you're moving around, this are some of the things you should do. These are things you shouldn't do. 
Um, you know, all, he was really big, you know, always on, uh, when in doubt, play to the hard camera, you know, the hard camera is always going to get a great shot of you. And, you know, those things that seem common sense once you learn them, but back then I, I didn't know, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of I, that summer, I ended up getting booked for that, that summer tour back then it was called the great American bash tour. And, um, it worked a lot with Muda Gary because we had a, a, a you know, the first match went as everything went, uh, you know, as, as they hoped it would. And so, uh, he requested, from what I understood, requested that I, you know, that I get put with Muda some more that summer, which I did. I had a couple more TV matches with him, and um, and then I was end up working with just about everybody that summer. And uh, like I said, I was scared to death the the whole summer, but um, I came out the other end pretty much uh, almost unscathed, you know, <laughs> except, except <laughs> for the fact that you know, and, and even though you know I, I have a great relationship, uh, I don't. I mean, I'm aggressive, a good acquaintances with Kevin Sullivan. We we were never we never ran in the same circles, but we worked together a lot in WCW. But uh, but yeah, I've always uh, as as I told you in the past, uh, I always never really got past the fact that Kevin Sullivan threw the uh, ringside stairs on me one time. And was, <laughs> 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 so, so when when, it, when you say anything can happen in wrestling, trust me, it can, and it usually does. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a match I would have loved to have seen. You had this match in 1994 with a particular wrestler who later on, a few years later, made it big. Yeah. About the same time about you came Glacier and WCW. What was it like to work with a young Rob Van Dam? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We know what was really special about that. Match. First of all, it was great. I mean, Rob and I have, um, have have known each other for, you know, uh, Greg Price was the one who booked that show. And ironically, the show was actually in my hometown at my high school gymnasium where I, went, I graduated high school, Brunswick High School. Yeah. And uh, so um, but yeah, you know, that was one of those things where, <clears throat> you know, Greg, I can't say for sure, but I, as far as I know, Greg, you know, played a big hand in kind of helping get Rob booked a lot back then. But Rob uh, came in some of Pete State Wrestling, too. Uh, and, yeah, we were both, I think, about the same age, uh, roughly within, you know, a couple years of each other, I think. Uh, and, yeah, he was, you know, because we both had the common interest in martial arts. So um, we hit it off, you know, as far as I was concerned, we hit it off kind of right away. Same thing. We never really ran in the same circles. But we, uh, even to this day, whenever we see each other at conventions, we always take time and just stop and chat and catch up and everything. Uh uh, I'm a big fan of his work, you know, like so many. Uh, but yeah, we had, uh, as I remember, uh, we had a great match. We had a really, really solid match. And uh, like I said, it was equally special to me, doubly special to me, because it was at my high school uh, gymnasium. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was always a big fan I'm, and still am a big fan of uh, Rob's work, just like I'm a fan of your work. And, and with the yeah. whole martial arts, with the both of you guys, with the backgrounds, and if, Bookers out there are listening. You can probably still book this match because I'd like to see it. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe book maybe book us a tag together. Yeah, book it as a tag team match. I'm cool with yeah. that too. And, you know, um, I was looking through. I was looking through some of my old uh, in my storage unit. I was looking through some of my old VHS tapes, and uh, you know, that I'm trying to convert to, to DVD. And um, you know, I've, I hadn't gone through them yet. I pulled some of them out, but I, I know at one time I had that match on VHS. I still had it on tape somewhere. From, uh, from when we did that at my school. But uh, I'll have to look back and see if I can maybe find it. Because uh, uh, I, I remember it being a very fun match. Really, well. I mean, I mean it, was a, it was a good, tough match. It was a hard match. I mean, I remember we, you know, we pushed each other really well. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, it was a really good match. Yeah, if you can find that, let me know. I'd be interested <laughs> in seeing that. 
that I, it just, yeah. it just it sound, it's like one of those fantasy booking matches that you hear yeah. about or that you're like yeah, that would be an awesome match and, it, and this one happened already so like now I yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you know that was uh um the good thing about you know matches like that where you know when, when you see you know there was there was that whole group of us that came up during that time uh was Rob there was myself there was Disco Inferno Scotty Riggs Bagwell uh, which Bagwell got signed uh, around 90, 93, I think. Um, and I signed in January 96. But, uh, but yeah, there was, a, there was a good group of guys that, that were coming up at that time. A lot of them, you know, we were coming through Georgia. And, um, and it was just really cool. Really cool to see so many of, of us that really, uh, like Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs and I played college ball against each other in college. Uh, he played and, and, and high school ball against each other, which we didn't know that until we met in wrestling years later. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I played at Brunswick High School. He played at Benedictine uh, Military High School, which is in Savannah. And then I played at Valencia State, and he played at West Georgia University. And um, yeah, so we uh, uh, we had some uh, uh, you know a lot of things in common. We didn't know until, of course, we met each other in wrestling. But but yeah, you know, there's a lot. It was a good group of guys that came through, uh, especially that early '90s. That we uh, a good number of us ended up in uh, you know at that at the show, so to speak. You know, whether it was WCW or ECW or WWE. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's an interesting fact. Did not know that you guys, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. A good group of us came through together. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, you, you first be, you know, became Glacier, you know, how, how did all of that happen? And, you know, did you watch the vignettes that they put out and how did you feel about it being, how did it come off to you? Yeah. Well, um, I'll, uh, I'll say this about the vignettes. Uh, and once again, you know, you look back, everybody can, uh, it's so, you know, and, and it's such a cliche term to say hindsight is twenty twenty. But uh, but it, it always good about what Dallas says. You know, the page always says it's a cliche because it's true, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a, and, uh, you know, the, the vignettes, and, and I think a lot of people's opinion ran too long. Uh, I don't know why. I never was really, uh, they never really explained to us why they ran so long um, before I actually debuted. I really believe that, um, what I believe happened was that uh, someone in WCW, I don't necessarily think it was maybe Eric uh, Bischoff, but uh, I think someone just got a little antsy and they just started airing the videos, you know, when they thought it was ready, even though as far, I mean, I could have gone out there anytime. Trust me. I could, I was ready to go because when I signed in January 96, um, yeah, I was ready. I mean, we, we still had to create the whole persona of Glacier. Like uh, we, you know, we, uh, we started off with, we, we, they actually, um, uh, follow my advice and actually hired a studio special effects studio called AFX studios to uh, create the concept of glacier from drawing more to finished product. Um, and uh, uh, Andre Fridas, who was the artist uh, with AFX was someone that, that I knew and recommended. And uh, I think he did a heck of a job, but um, you know, we started off. I mean, it was, it was really, you know, you look at uh, a lot of what WWE does now with NXT where they, it's kind of kind of how they do things. Now they find the athlete and then they kind of find the gimmick to fit the athlete. Um, and, and for me, that was kind of the case. I mean, you know, that had never really been done before at that point. This was 25 years ago now. Um, and, uh, and man, it does, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's been 25 years, but, uh, but you know, it, it was, uh, it was, like I said, breaking new ground. So I think, uh, uh, the, the concept and all that, I, I don't, uh, I honestly believe that maybe there was, you know, it, it was a, it was a perfect sign to me with WCW as to how things were being done that, that, not everybody was on the same page back then <laughs> and then behind the scenes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I was always, I was always the guy, like I, I, I was kind of brought up in the wrestling businesses, be a good hand. Don't, don't disrupt 
you know, the place, be there, especially when I was young. It was like, even though I'd been in the business nine years, I, you know, it was my first time at that level, you know, under contract. And I was basically like, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to keep my head down, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Cause I already had enough heat just because of the whole glacier thing. <laughs> you know, they were like, who's this guy, you know, coming in and, and uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I will say briefly uh, how it all started was, this is one of the things I tell all of our trainees. And I tell this to, when I do a lot of um, seminars, which, uh, which actually I just want to say too, I'm getting back out there now. I just had hip surgery about uh, the 19th, week, five months for me. And I'm feeling really good. I'm back getting back in the ring. Um, I'm definitely available to come out and, uh, and start taking bookings again. And also, um, uh, yeah, doing seminars and, uh, and talent evaluations. Obviously, most people know now that I'm a coach at the Nightmare Factory with, uh, you know, that uh, with, with Cody Rhodes and um, known Cody, you know, for an awful long time. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, worked with his dad uh, with Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling right after my WCW days. Uh, uh, Cody's high school wrestling coach, Steve Day, who wrestled with me in Japan and who's now in the Amateur Wrestling Hall of Fame was, was Cody's uh, coach that coached in two state titles. So I've known Cody for an awful long time, but uh, very proud to be associated with him with the Nightmare Factory. But uh, yeah, so, uh, but what I tell all of our trainees and what I tell all of uh, anybody when I do seminars is, um, you know, that it's a really disappointing thing that when you do all the work, you do everything you can in your power and you, and you think you've done everything right. And then the break still doesn't come. And unfortunately, the rest of the business, that's a reality for a lot of people. Because uh, there's just so only so many spots available, and it's a very subjective business. It's a very clickish business. Uh, there are people that get breaks that deserve them. There are people that maybe not don't necessarily deserve the break that do get it, uh, or at least maybe in your eyes they don't deserve the break. But you know you have to look at it. And, uh, I love what Cody always says. You know you can't wish away good talent. I love that. You know and you and sometimes if you you know the better person gets the, you know offered the deal, you, you know you can't be mad at them. But uh, but my whole point to say all that is is that. You know, it, it, that's it's a really unfortunate thing. It's a it's a frustrating thing when you do all the work, do everything you can control, and the break still doesn't come. I've, I've been there, trust me. But what's even more disappointing and more sad is when the opportunity is presented to you and you're not ready, only because you did, chose not to do the work, and uh, and and then and, and you blow the opportunity. And in the wrestling business, um, unfortunately, a lot of times it's there's a one it's what we call a one strike business. You know, if you get an opportunity like that and you're not ready for it, rarely does it come around again. You know, sometimes, but but rarely. And what I've seen. So, um, so when I had that, what happened was I I talked with Dallas, and Dallas is still one of my best friends of this day, Dallas Page. I call him like my crazy big brother. And uh, we were actually at Christmas shopping, and, and um, Christmas uh, December twenty third, nineteen ninety five. I know exactly the day. I remember exactly the day this happened. We stopped to eat lunch at this pizza place. And I'd mentioned to him, like, hey, I think I'm, uh, Paige, I think I might put some more wrestling, I mean, more martial arts in my wrestling stuff and you know, what I do in the ring. He was like, bro, he said, I'd be good if you knew some of that stuff. And I was like, what do you mean, man? I said, I, I, mean, I told him, I was mistaken since I was like, you know, 15, 14 years old. He goes, he goes, bro, I didn't know any of that stuff. He goes, you know, Eric's into all that. And I was like, of course, I'm cleaning up the conversation on Paige's end a lot, just so you know. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, so, you know, because if you ever heard Paige talk, you know, he doesn't say, he, does, he uses use words like stuff. He uses other S words. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so he said, well, let me, you know, let me, you know, get, I gave him all this information. We talked the rest of the day. Uh, we went back. He said, well, I'll tell Bischoff about it. So he goes, he tells Eric. Uh, and I don't even think that Dallas was aware of the fact that uh, the WCW, uh, I mean, uh, TBS, um, you know, had been connected to Mortal Kombat because they were looking to do the Mortal Kombat TV show. The movie was a huge hit. Mortal Kombat was a big, big thing at this time. And so um, and so 
when he said, yeah, okay, I want to talk to him. So we, we, it, we really met right after the holidays. It was the first week of January and uh, there was a little restaurant right outside their neighborhood. And uh, yes, for the people that have, have heard the stories, I can confirm Bischoff and, and Dallas really did live about three houses down from each other. And uh, so uh, I went to this little steakhouse. I think it was like a Longhorn steakhouse maybe. And, um, and he had a table in the back. I walked back in the back. I sit with him. Long story short is uh, we, we ended up having like a three hour meeting. And um, at the end of it, he said, uh, well, he said, just so you know, you know, and I'm giving you the very brief you know, version of this. He just says, I want to sign you to a deal with WCW. And, you know, I, after I picked my jaw up off the floor, you know, <laughs> I, 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 he, I said, okay. And he said, uh, let me ask you something. Um, are you still wrestling on the independent circuit? And I said, yes, sir, I am. He says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to cancel all your bookings and just disappear from the independent wrestling scene with no, I don't want you to give anybody a reason, just disappear, cancel all your bookings. We'll go ahead and get you under the contract. And, and he goes, he goes, I just want to you know, get you locked in and I have some big ideas. And of course, at this point, they were, you know, we were a long way from away from deciding on the name Glacier and what actually I would look like and all that. But yeah. the reason why I always say is the reason I'd gone, I wrestled in Japan. I'd gotten to know Luthez. I had really, uh, you know, um, you know, I really had leaned on Luthez a lot to, for advice over the years. And, and, and he became a great friend and, and mentor like he was to a lot of people, but um, you know, he's the greatest wrestler that ever lived, you know? And, and so I had some great resources, Fred Avery, my trainer, you know, I, I got his advice on things. And so, and I was, and I was training with Dallas, you know, we all, everybody, like I said, I'm not the smartest guy in the world lead, but I was smart enough to move to Atlanta to chase my dream. I got a teaching job to pay the bills. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I joined, uh, main event fitness, which was owned by Lex and Sting at the time. So, you know, I was, I put myself in the world of the wrestlers. I went to where the opportunity was. And I tell people all the time, sometimes you got to move to where the opportunity is, is, is if it's not in your area, you can, sometimes you got to, if you want to chase this dream, realistically, sometimes you got to go to where the opportunities are. And that's what I did. And, and so I can honestly say I did the work. I was proud of the fact that I was ready. I knew I was ready. And I was ready a couple of years before that, I felt, but I had to be patient because, like I said, the one thing I've learned in the wrestling business, if you're chasing this dream, one thing you can almost for sure bank on is it's not going to have the break. It's not going to happen on your timeline. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've learned that no matter how much you think it might. And, and for those chosen few, maybe it does. But for most of us, you know, it's going to happen when this when this when the stars align. For whatever reason. And, you know, Dallas always says, give me talent, give me experience or give me timing. I'll always take timing. And uh, and it was good timing. I was ready. Um, I was whatever Eric was looking for. He saw in me um, and uh, and I was ready and I knew I was ready. And so I was even though I was in that meeting, I was still humble. I was very, very confident that whatever they were needing, I was their guy. And um, and and he he signed me. And I remember when he asked me to do it, he said, he said I want you to disappear from the wrestling scene. I said, I can do that. <laughs> and I did that. And, uh, and, and that started the journey of, of Glacier. And, uh, and as I, I mean, it, it, there's, there's a whole long story of all the stuff that came, you know, that happened once that got happened, that, that all started rolling. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was, um, you know, it was, I will say this, you know, uh, as with anything in wrestling, very rarely in the wrestling business, does anyone, you know, there's, there's those rare people like Sting and, and Ricky Steamboat, uh, who, you know, just everybody loved them, you know? And, uh, but, but there are, there's only a chosen few of those, you know, and uh, I look at John Cena as an example. I'm a big fan of John Cena, but, you know, when, when he goes into the arena, there's still half the arena that seems to, you know, not really want to cheer for him for whatever reason, you know, and he, of course he's still yeah. laughing all the way to the bank, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, 
But, you know, um, but the thing is, is, uh, you know, there was a lot of harsh criticism from some people, not a lot, but I mean, there were some from people because, you know, they're old school wrestling people that didn't, didn't understand where they were going with the, the whole blood runs cold thing and all that, or they just didn't like it. And, uh, and I get that. Uh, it was the first time I think I had to deal with open, openly tough criticism that uh, I was taking very personally when I realized it was more, it wasn't personal to me, Ray Lloyd, it was personal. Maybe they just didn't like the gimmick, but I can tell you this Lee over the years. And you and I've talked about this uh, off cameras, the overwhelming majority of the people that I've ran into over the years um, really, really enjoyed what I did as Glacier. I'm very, very proud uh, to be Glacier. I'm very proud that I'm, I'm 25 years and going strong. Um, yeah, I'm doing a, an appearance at Daytona Comic Con this weekend, Saturday and Sunday with my good friend, John Crowther, uh, who uh, does a whole lot of comic books for wrestlers. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, I, I, I say with, with a lot of pride, um, you know, it, it, were there a few things that I, I would like to have seen done differently? Of course, you know, but ask any wrestler, you know, that question, they'll tell you there's things they wish that would happen differently in their career. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, but for the most part, the one thing that I've always been someone and, and, and Dallas was one that really accentuated this with me about being a positive person. You know, uh, I remember one of, the, one of my favorite things that Dallas taught me was you can always, always control how you react to things. And, um, and there's, you know, there was, so as far as I'm concerned with the whole glacier gimmick, you know, I, I, it, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a very real part of me and who I am. I can snap into being glacier in a second because it's another layer of actually who I am. It doesn't fall too far from who I am as a person. And, um, but, but also, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a gimmick that as I get older, I meet wrestling stars of today that I find were fans when they were younger, when they were 10 and 12 years old. And I can tell you right now, nothing thrills me more than that. It really does. And, uh, yeah. uh, and to know that, um, that there were people, like I always say, just to know that there were people who, who enjoyed the gimmick for what it was during a, a hard time to do that because of all the reality-based stuff that really, you know, took off with NWO and all that. Um, you know, but uh, I always say the one thing I'm most proud of is the fact that I, w I was signed for January of 96 and my contract, even though I was really there until the bitter end of April 01, my contract ran out a couple months before, but I was still kind of being paid on a per match basis as they were using me. Uh, and I was, there were plans for me to come in and be a coach at the, uh, at the power plant uh, at, from a recommendation from Paul Orndorff, which was, was huge at the time. So that was my next career move was actually to transition into a coach at the uh, power plant and still do Glacier on TV when they needed me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I always say I was fortunate enough and so thankful to be at the show when it really was the show. And uh, all five years, for better or for worse, all 83 weeks, you know, however you want to say it, you know, yeah. when, we, when we were number one in the ratings, you know, I, I, I was there. And, you know, I, the conversations I've had with Bischoff over the years, I mean, I, I can proudly tell you, I, you know, like Dallas, you know, as, as I, I earn my spot every week for those five years and uh, very, very proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up that you were going to transition to coach at the power plant. Yeah. And now you're with QT Marshall and, yeah, and the yeah. Nightmare Factory there, right. which is, you know, has the tie to AEW. And you right. did say that you're getting ready to take bookings again and everything. Yeah. We, could we ever see you step foot in an AEW ring and wrestle? <laughs> well, I'll just say this much right now, Lee. The hip is feeling really, really good. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, my, uh, 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 my hip was bothering me for the last several years. And even when I did the uh, appearance at the pay-per-view a couple years ago out in Vegas, um, uh, it was double or nothing. Um, I was really trying to hide the fact that, that I was in a lot of pain in my, my right hip, but uh, that's been fixed. 
I'm getting around really good. I mean, I still have maybe a little bit of time to go to get back to where it's absolutely 100%. But um, uh, I, I certainly hope so. I really do. Because uh, a lot of my friends, obviously, are in AEW. And uh, and I'm still very close and connected with, with the company, obviously, just because of uh, – you know, uh, my relationship with QT and with Cody, even though they're kind of button heads uh, these days still, you know, yeah. but, uh, um, but, uh, but, you know, there's, there's always, as there's, I always say, there's those times when uh, throughout my whole life, throughout all of our lives, I've had friends that were button heads before. It doesn't mean I can't be friends with both of them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. But yeah, so runs- I, I certainly hope to, I, I certainly hope to make a, make an appearance in AEW at some point. I really do. Awesome. Um, you know, with Blood Runs Cold, it was you, Rath, Brian Clark, uh, Mortis, Chris Canyon, Ernest Miller. Um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your first loss as Glacier came in Dutchland, actually, against Chris Canyon, Mortis. How was yeah. the fan perception there of, of, of Glacier and Mortis? And that was over in Germany? When we were in Germany, is that right? Or what was that? Um, Dutchland, yeah. Is that was that in the states or was that over? Uh... No, it was um, it was during the WCW. Um, I think it was called Christmas Brawl. Oh, okay. Of ninety. Trying to think. Of ninety-seven. Ninety-six. It was yeah. December ninety-six. Yeah, that's that's you know one of the things that um, that a lot of people don't know is that uh, in ninety in December of ninety-six, we actually uh, uh, Mortis and I, Chris Canyon. We, uh, WCW sent us on a tour of Germany. We had uh, you know, the, the whole group when it was Bagwell, it was um, Lex, uh, um, uh, Eddie, uh, Chris, Benoit, um, Harlem Heat. You know, it was that, uh, and so and we actually over there, that was when we, we, we actually went back and forth when, when's the losses over there, you know? And um, yeah, and then uh, my first, um, first uh, singles match on TV was uh, a loss was to, um, was to Bagwell on Nitro. Uh, yeah. I forget, I forget when that was, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but, but I can tell you this, you know, uh, Mortis and I, Chris Kenny, we went back and forth all the time. And, you know, I always had a great saying that I used to say about Kenny was, um, you know, uh, best friends, better enemies, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I always compared our relationship to that old cartoon. They used to come on with the, with the bugs money stuff in the morning where the, the sheepdog and the, uh, the coyote would walk to work yeah. and punch in. And then, the, and then the, the coyote would spend the whole day getting beat up by the sheepdog trying to get to the sheep. And then they'd talk out and walk on together. Like, that's kind of how it was being good friends with Candy. <laughs> we, we went out there. We went out there, man. We beat the stew out of each other. But, uh, but we always worked really hard. And, and, uh, and we really, really cared about having really good matches for the fans. Uh, I'm really, really big on that. I mean, I don't care. I always say I wrestle in front of 40 people and I wrestle in front of 40,000. And, and I can say without reservation, I gave them all the same effort because I just feel I, I'm a fan first. And um, one of the many lessons I learned from Luthez was when he, he said that, you know, people tend to sometimes when you get in front of a smaller audience, people tend to not maybe give their all. And I just remember he always said something that really stuck with me. He said, if you're wrestling in front of 50 people, it's not those 50 people's fault that it's not sold out. They did their part. They deserve your best every night. And, yeah. and I've always looked at it that way, you know. And uh, But, yeah, but me, me, me and Canyon, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, got my hand raised with him and how many times he he beat me. But we, I know we we uh, we kicked and punched each other a whole lot back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, are you going to watch his Dark Side of the Ring episode that they're doing on him? 
on Vice. Uh, I, I will watch it. I will watch it um, uh, only because I can tell you I'll watch it for one reason. And the only reason I really want to watch it is because I really hope that they do his legacy justice. Um, you know, he was he was a great guy. Um, he was tremendously talented, tremendously talented. I miss him every day. I really do. Um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of my good friends uh, were interviewed for that uh, episode. And um, uh, I was told that they were going to contact me. They never really did. Uh, but I can tell you without reservation, uh, I, I would not have uh, gone on camera and, and talked about it because I, I just learned over the years that uh, sometimes, and I'm not, not saying this is with what Dr. Dark Side of the Ring would do, but um, I just learned sometimes that people chop things up and take things out of context. And, and I love and respected Chris so much and his legacy that I wouldn't just, I wouldn't want to take a chance on that happening. So I really hope they, I hope they do his legacy justice. I really do. Um, he's, uh, I, and my buddy Luther Biggs and I, we, we talk about, we talk every day and, and we, we literally honor Chris Canyon every single day with some type of phrase that we still say or uh, his memory. And, um, uh, and that's, that's what I really, we choose to do to keep his memory alive is just say some, he had some of the best things in that New York accent that you could possibly say some of the funniest stuff and stuff that wouldn't be funny unless you put Chris Canyon's accent on it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I do. I hope that, uh, hmm, excuse me. I hope that um, I just hope they do his legacy justice. I really do because he deserves that. He deserves that. And I so wish he were here today for a lot of reasons. Um, just selfishly because, you know, I, I miss my friend, you know, but, uh, but I know he would, he would have a place today somewhere at NXT or AEW or impact. He would, he would have a place somewhere and, and he'd be really celebrated for, for his contributions to the business and which I, I, he is now, but I, I, even more so, I think if he were here, um, he'd really, he'd really, I think he would have found a great place in the business that where they would have really appreciated what his, his experience and his knowledge and his, and his passion for the wrestling business. I mean, man, he loved, loved, loved pro wrestling. Yeah, I agree. And I, I loved watching his transition from Mortis to Canyon and doing the, the who's better than Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh my, you know, his, his transition and it was so smooth too. how it, how it worked for him. It was just, a, it was yeah. just amazing. Very dedicated, um, very dedicated. Brian Cage, you know, still does the a little bit of the you know tribute to Canyon when he does the Who Better, you know, stuff. Which yeah, I, which yeah. I think is, I think is absolutely awesome. You know that that uh, that someone chooses to to just do a little bit to keep his memory alive. You know, I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I and you see a lot of wrestlers, you know, doing that with you know for other wrestlers nowadays too. Yeah. Um, like I remember Ryback did a an Owen Hart spot on a microphone during like the slammy awards. And he was like, well, enough's enough. It's time for a change. And then he, you know, walked to the <laughs> ring type deal. And like, I always love stuff like that. Cause it, it gives like a nostalgia factor, but you know, yeah. paying tribute as well. It's just, it's just, it's nice to see. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and earlier you said that, um, you know, maybe some fans didn't like the whole blood runs cold thing, but later on when, you know, these meet and greets and stuff that you're at, and even wrestlers that are in the business now, you know, come up to you about the character. Oh yeah. Having, having you said that, how were you contacted to be part of the ring of honor, uh, the, the honor rumble in 2017? And, and how did it feel when, you know, the, the smoke hit and you were coming out and the music and the crowd went nuts. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? Um, first thing, it's, it's hard to believe that that's been over three years now. You know, I mean, it really, time really flies. When I get, as I get older, I realize time flies even faster. It really does. But uh, um, I got to thank QT, QT Marshall. You know, QT and I started the school together about now it's been over four years, uh, about four and a half years ago. Um, we've been in the location of uh, my mentor, Chip Smith, uh, his performance center in Atlanta. Um, uh, November will be four years. And uh, we, you know, we have a beautiful 43,000 square foot world-class facility at, you know, world-class lead athletes like, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, NBA, mostly NFL players train there. So our, our trainees get a chance to really, you know, train alongside some of the best in the world. But, um, but yeah, um, we actually brought in um, – uh, you know, so we were the QT was doing some work with Ring of Honor. Of course, Cody had, had was coming in doing some, and um, and then we had uh, uh, I had it was uh, uh, Hunter who was uh, who was doing the head of talent. Um, uh, gosh, what's this? What's what do you where's his mask? What does he go as? Um, uh, oh god, I, I, I so bad, I don't know what I know it, but I, my memory's so bad. The names, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the, the head of talent, they they um. Uh, for, Ring of Honor called me and uh, and and they, he just said like, hey, like QT and I were talking like, you know, we, we do the, the Honor Rumble and like we always try to throw in, you know, a, a couple surprises. And, you know, we think it'd be kind of kind of cool if, you know, if we had you come in, you know, like near the end of the 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 Rumble. And I said uh, and I said, wow, well, first of all, I was just honored. I was really was I was honored and humble that they would even think of me. Um, and that they would think that much of me, you know, to, to want to let me be a part of something like that. Because uh, it was at center stage, which, once again, is, in my opinion, kind of hallowed ground for, for wrestling. And uh, uh, and so uh, I agreed to do it. And uh, and honestly, uh, you and I had talked about this before. Uh, I was pretty pretty reluctant because, you know, you just I had not been on major major TV in a long time, especially at pay-per-view. And uh, I just didn't know how I how, you know, people would respond. I really didn't. And so. Uh, I'm standing back there, you know, and they're getting ready to hit my music. And man, I was nervous. I was really, really nervous because I was thinking, you know, there's, you know, wrestling fan wrestlers don't mind hearing cheers and don't mind hearing booze, but the worst sound we can ever hear is crickets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I was like, well, I just hope this goes off good, you know? And, and uh, thank God it did. It really did. And I, I had the ring of honor fans. I can't, I, I've said it over and over uh, just how, truly, truly humbled I was. And, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I did, I got in there, I did a little bit of what I needed to do and I got out because, you know, it was really, it was the night for the, for the, for the main guys at ring of honor to shine, but I was certainly glad to come in and maybe give a little, uh, surprise to the, to the match. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, for, I popped like crazy, just like the crowd did. <laughs> I thought it, because it was exactly how you, how you said it on your end, it is kind of how I had thought and felt when I had seen you, I hadn't seen you in so long on, yeah. on mainstream television. Uh, you made a couple of appearance on some television shows and stuff. I yeah. noticed, yeah. but, um, but I mean, aside from like meet and greets and conventions and stuff and yeah. stuff there, I, and all of a sudden when, when the music hit and the smoke and everything, and, yeah. <laughs> and Ian's going, it's Glacier! And the crowd is chanting, and I'm going nuts. And, oh, my God, it was amazing to see that. And oh, God. it was just, it was really cool. So I was, it was a really exciting thing to see, because, like, you know, you had said, you know, yeah, there might have been some people that weren't fans of the Blood Runs Cold, but you've had yeah. so many people come up to you at meet and greets and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love the character and everything. And 
I loved it. Yeah. And so I thought it was a great spot. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I just, as, as, like I said, as, as I'm getting older in my mind and my memory slipped, Delirious. Delirious was, you know, the, the head, you know, with, with our ring of honor was the yeah. one who also talked yeah. to me. Delirious. So, Delirious, I'm sorry. I, 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 I forget my own name sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> but, um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, um, uh, cause you know, that, especially at that time they had, a, they had a ton of talent in ring of honor during that time and, uh, and they still do, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it was a very special moment because, uh, Cody was, was there, you know, doing commentary and, uh, and like I said, you know, he had gone to bat for me, QT had gone to bat for me, delirious. Uh, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, it was very humbling and, uh, yeah, I, I you know I love being able to be a part of you know surprises like that, especially when they go good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that one went great. And yeah. uh, speaking of surprises, we have a surprise here for our fans tonight. You have something that's very special that you have been working on. Uh, yeah. We uh, off camera and everything. We have spent quite a bit of time talking about it, and I want to talk about it today. Uh, you have a new movie coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, it has been, uh, it feels like it's been my life's work, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it is, um, and, and, you know, I, I'm going to repeat a lot of things that you and I've already talked about in our phone calls off camera, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, there's, um, I, I my, my, my best buddy from the wrestling business, uh, and, and obviously one of my best buddies in, in and out of wrestling, uh, Luther Biggs, we, we, we met at the power plant back in 96 and we've been great friends ever since. Uh, we, um, you know, probably 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, we both were sitting around and we, we, we always had talked about, we're both big fans of film. We both done some work in film. Uh, uh Luther actually was in the, uh, Jesse Ventura movie back in the day. Um, he played one of the wrestlers in that movie. Uh, it was a made for TV movie. Uh, and, uh, but, um, uh, and we started talking and we were like, you know, like, uh, most movies, you know, paint wrestling in a, in a bad light or, uh, as I always say, they, they paint wrestlers uh, either as buffoons or foul mouth degenerates or both. And, um, and you know, does our business have that? Yes, just like every business does. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, rarely, rarely do you see pro wrestling really celebrated in a really positive light. And, um, you know, and, and so we, we started, we came up with an original concept. He came up with a great original concept that eventually evolved into more of a uh, of an ensemble cast type story, uh, and and so what we ended up with was a, uh, a, a, a action adventure sci fi film that is uh, and you, whenever you see, hear any pitches about new stories in, in the film industry, they always say it's this meets this, you know. And so we're both big fans of the, those you know ensemble movies of the sixties and seventies, like The Magnificent Seven. The, the Dirty Dozen, The Wild Bunch, uh, you know, and, and uh, a better example of a modern modern day example of that is like The Expendables, uh, but uh, uh, ensemble cast where you have several um, legendary actors, performers, in our case, professional wrestlers in those roles. Uh, it, we just, we started looking at, it, we're like, you know, this has never really been done before. And so we were like, we're just the guys to do it, you know? <laughs> so we, we set out, um, it's been now about, Gosh, it's been about six years uh, ago, and we finally got uh, our great friend John Waterhouse uh, finally wrote the original draft of the script, um, and it's going through several name changes, um, and uh, it's going through a lot of edits. Right, we ended up going through several writers to get the story we finally wanted, 
And, uh, and, we, and of course, Luther and I ended up um, adding a lot of our writing ideas to the story to really just get it to where we wanted. But what we uh, settled on is, uh, is a movie called The Unbreakable Bunch and uh, very family friendly, like I said, action sci-fi film. And it's really, I always say it's like The Magnificent Seven or The Expendables meets They Lived, John Carpenter's They Lived that starred Roddy Piper. And, um, and that was uh, what we decided to do. Is, so it's pro wrestlers versus aliens, if you want to break it down. <laughs> and so, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's as fun as it sounds, hopefully. Uh, we really have worked hard to make a great family-friendly movie that, um, as, as I told you, our editor, when he did the first pass on the, on the footage, he called me up and he said, wow, Ray, he said, this, uh, this was like a good old Saturday night beer and pizza movie. And I said, well, that's kind of what we're going for, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and it's, it's called The Unbreakable Bunch. Uh, we hope we're, we're, in, we're in shooting some of the final pickup shots right now, even. And uh, because obviously with COVID, we had we started in the fall of 2019. Um, we had to go on hiatus for a year and a half, really, uh, till, to wait to get back to starting the film again. And uh, we've just been able to kind of get little pickup shots here and there to fill in those holes and the, the stuff we didn't have. And um, we're still trying to get a little bit more wrestling footage and stuff like that. But we're pretty much in full post-production. Uh, hopefully we'll have a, a, a screening copy by the end of the year. And we really hopefully will be in full fledged promotions to really, uh, you know, put this thing out into the world, uh, hopefully around the first of the year. Yeah. And the, un the unbreakable bunch, great name. Yeah. And, and I, I, I've read the plot and we've talked a lot. Yeah. The cast itself is really amazing too. We have uh, you as uh, Jock Holiday. We have Ernest the yeah. Cat Miller as Mac Brown, yeah. uh, Luther, Luther Biggs as Burnin' Love. We have Tonga. I'm sorry, I don't want to pronounce your last name wrong, but we have oh, Fafita, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, or King King Tonga, yeah. Yep, we have King as King Tonga, the mighty King Tonga. Larry Sabisco is legend. Yes, yes. We have pretty easy to call him that. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Stan Hansen is as Harry the Hammer Jennings. Diamond Dallas yep. Page is Padre. Uh, we yep. also have a former World Boxing Champion Pinklin Thomas, yep. David Heath as everyone knows, is Gangrel and uh, mm -hmm. former NWA champion, uh, the Tokyo Monster, Kagas. Uh, Kagas. Yeah, I'm Cahagas, sorry, I didn't yeah, want to pronounce yeah. his name wrong. And there, um, and there actually are a lot of other wrestlers in the movie. Um, we actually have kept some as, you know, good surprise cameos that will be coming up. But, uh, but it is um, – it, we went out and, uh, like I said, we got Pickland Thomas, one former world heavyweight boxing champion um, that uh, came along right before the Mike Tyson era. And he lives right here in Orlando. And in uh, the movie, he has a great cameo where he plays like uh, kind of a master of ceremonies for a, uh, a festival where our characters stop off and enjoy a day off in, in the movie. And uh, um, but uh, but, yeah, it's a it's a great story, uh, Lee, about uh, the, the beauty of the camaraderie that comes from any like-minded people come together to do something they love, like a bunch of musicians traveling together, a bunch of actors traveling together, mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of pro wrestlers traveling together, which, you know, anybody who's really, who came along, you know, even before my era or even up into my era, um, you know, you, you live on the road in the wrestling business. Uh, at least we did, you know, uh, not too long ago. And, um, and you really start to have what you call your wrestling family, your road family. And, uh, and so we wanted to show that, um, that there's a lot of really, there's a real good side to the wrestling business too. Yes. There's all the, the stuff we hear about and we know, like I said, we got <clears throat> season three of dark side of the ring starting, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we have, uh, <clears throat> the wrestler, which is a, you know, a great movie. Um, like I said, Ernest co-starred in that <clears throat> with Mickey Rourke, um, a great film, but it really does show kind of a, you know, a sad side of our business. 
Um, and, and we wanted to make a movie that really celebrated pro wrestling and most importantly celebrates the pro wrestling fans, gives them a movie that they can really be proud of. And uh, it's a really fun thrill ride. But I'll tell you what, what I'm most proud of with the film is one, um, we, had, it's, it, we, we did a, a SAG film, which is a Screen Actors Guild film, a union film. We really did this right. We didn't just, you know, get some film students together and, and shoot some, some, you know, a bad movie. This is a really, really well done film. We have a lot of really great character actors um, that outside of the pro wrestlers in the movie um, for Julie Denton, who plays the female lead uh, is shared the screen with the likes of, of Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. I mean, she's an amazing, amazing actress. Um, uh, Adam Menarvich, who plays uh, the uh, kind of slimy promoter in the movie, uh, which he has a, has a, um, has a great name, Nicodemus Quarles, and uh, and um, uh, Adam is best known for uh, season one of The Walking Dead. Uh, anybody ever was watched The Walking Dead, uh, Carol's character, which is still in you know the final season, which now is what season twelve or whatever. Um, uh, Adam played Carol's abusive husband in season one, which uh, he's been able to have a still a huge following all these years later because of he was the fact that he was such a uh, you know low down sob. <laughs> but, uh, but um. But he's also, he has a tremendous comedic side and you get to see that in this business. Even though this movie's not necessarily a full-blown comedy, uh, the comedy in the movie is played very straight. The humor is played very straight in the movie. Uh, a lot like a um, like a Burt Reynolds film, some kind of Clint Eastwood type films. Like I, I always say the humor is a lot like, uh, if you remember the movies, Any Which Way You Can, Every Which Way But Loose, was, you know, Clint Eastwood's movies where the humor is played very straight in the movie. I, the humor in ours is played very straight too. We didn't want to make these characters look too cheesy or too corny. We wanted to be very real characters, but um, but also very fun-loving people too. And uh, and so the movie, I will say this to the wrestling fans: we know our audience. This movie is is a, is a movie for the wrestling audience. Um, there's a lot of great pro wrestling action in the movie that was shot really well. Um, but there's also um, there's a good old classic. There's some good old classic uh, kick and punch. Uh, fight scenes in the movie, which are very reminiscent of the good old Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds type fight scenes, um, and uh, which is kind of what how these guys would be if they got into a good old friendly fight. They, they wouldn't be doing a lot of uh, Jason Bourne type fighting, you know. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, but we had an amazing stunt coordinator and stunt crew, uh, uh, Spy Long Nguyen, who's been a great friend of mine for a long time, amazing stunt man and, and a stunt coordinator brought in a very, very high level of, of stunt performers for our movie. Um, uh, a lot of, you know, world-class stunt performers live down here in central Florida because they work at the theme parks, you know, when they're not doing major films, you know, so, uh, so they, they, we just, we were so fortunate to get a lot of great, unbelievable talent for this movie. Um, Mark Ashworth, who, uh, if anybody saw the remake of the Magnificent Seven with Denzel and Chris Pratt came out about three or four years ago, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mark Ashworth plays the role of preacher in the movie, in the small town who has a great role in the movie has a great, great scene with him and Denzel, um, you know, and right before the big fight happens in the town, uh, he plays the kind of the crazy guy in the town named Lou in our movie. I mean, it, there's a lot of great actors. <clears throat> the thing that I think most people are going to be very pleasantly surprised is how well the performances are from the wrestlers as far as their acting performances. Every single one of them, they were handpicked for this, not because, obviously because of their fame, but mainly because I knew the guys that I knew would gel well together. Uh, who could work great together, work, work great together, and obviously have great chemistry on camera. But also the ones who I knew would take it serious, and if if I had a, a good bit of dialogue for them to learn, I knew they'd show up. They know their lines. Um, prime example is Larry Zabisco. Uh, I think people, uh, I think people are going to be pleasant, really pleasantly surprised to know to the performance that Stan Hansen gives 
but also that Larry gives and, and mainly uh, uh, Tonga, uh, uh, Tonga Fafita, uh, King Haku, uh, you know, Ming and WCW. Um, I'm telling you, they, uh, it, the performances just, I knew they'd be good, but they really, really blew us away. And when, when I, you see them on camera, they, they just, they were, they, they, they were shot really well. They, they've edited really well. Um, there's a lot of tenderness in this movie uh, that I don't think people are going to expect to see from a bunch of big, tough wrestlers. But um, it's very much the side of wrestling. If anybody, you know, I always say about um, about Ming is, you know, he's he's every bit of all the stories you've heard about him. He's definitely that guy, <laughs> you know. And uh, I always say, you know, if you, there's there's a great clip of Dwayne Johnson on the Tonight Show talking about when his uncle Tonga bit a guy's nose off in a restaurant. Yeah, that stuff really happened. But he's also one of the nicest, sweetest, most kindest, giving people you could ever know. And we get we show that side in the movie too. And I think that's what people are going to be really, really pleasantly surprised to see. And, you know, I, I've, I've met Tongan and uh, got to, you know, talk to him a little bit. I was going to bring up, man, just between Tonga and, and Stan, the, with the yeah. stories I've heard, those two alone in a fight scene, like, has yeah. me like, wait, what? Yeah. But now, you, now you start adding everybody else in because you guys all have such incredible backgrounds with pro wrestling and, you know, them, you know, you and Ernest with martial arts. And we know Tonga's history now with the biting. Of the <laughs> like, I mean, I just, it, it's an incredible group of guys that you put together. Hence the name, the unbreakable bunch is such a fantastic name. Um, when you've done some of these wrestling scenes, did you use like an independent promotion with like their actual fans that were there that paid tickets to be there? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, and before I forget, anybody that wants to see um, the website for the movie right now, uh, Robert McLaren, who is, uh, who is Dallas's DDP's IT guy and a great friend of mine. Uh, he actually, as a favor to the project, he did our website for us. And you can go to just unbreakablebunch.com. Uh, unbreakablebunch.com and you can see uh, a lot of the behind the scene pictures and we'll be putting updates as to when you know the movie will be uh, will be completed and, and, and get ready and when it will be coming out and all that uh, we'll be adding a lot more to the website but you can see tons of behind the scenes pictures that we took but what we did mainly Lee, was um, uh, in that 43,000 square foot facility we have in Atlanta uh, which as everybody knows that watched uh, AEW last summer uh, they ended up shooting AEW uh, episodes about six weeks worth of TV right at the beginning of the pandemic in uh, our facility where we have our wrestling school, which is Chip Smith's facility. Um, and so we actually created the same thing. We created an arena at the other end of the building. And, um, and so we could totally control the wrestling because, uh, uh, you know, we, we, and, and there's a lot of where we've been able to drop into wrestling shows and actually get some matches. Like just a couple of weeks ago, we did this, uh, uh, me and Luther Biggs and, uh, and Ming, we actually went in and did a six man tag on a live show that Cahagas, the Tokyo monster Cahagas had a show and, Winter Haven, Florida. And uh, so we got some, we got some great montage footage in the movie, like when the characters go on the road of us at live shows, actually doing matches in real time with real crowds. Uh, but, um, but we did have to, uh, there were a couple of matches where we really did have to uh, shoot it cinematically. So we had to actually stop and start a lot. So uh, we, we had the greatest experience in Atlanta when we were shooting this um, at our school, we, um, we, we got a bunch of uh, extras that were there that came in, stayed there all day. And, um, and we, we shot the wrestling scenes and we had uh, several people that were trainees from our wrestling school that helped us out. Uh, and um, I will say this, that the, the, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the there's one actor in, in the movie that plays a character called Alexander the great. And, 
um, and, and you can, you'll see him on the website if you if you look on our website. Uh, great actor, uh, actually from Marietta, Georgia, wrestled at Marietta High School. I think the same time Cody was wrestling at Lasker High School. I don't know if they ever wrestled each other, but um, but uh, he does an amazing job. One, he's an amazing actor. He's done a lot of a lot of other great films that he's worked on uh, before and since we, we did ours. But uh, literally, he uh, had one day. He he went to the uh, when it was still the one one fall power factory. He went in one day and. Um, it tra- and just worked on some basic stuff. And then when we shot, uh, you know, uh, a few days later, uh, I tell you, I mean, he just, he, he really delivered, he really delivered. And he just showed how much of a professional he was as a, uh, as an actor that uh, I tell you, I mean, he looks very, very believable as a pro wrestler. And um, I don't know hardly any pro wrestler that could go in with, uh, with one day of training and, and look anywhere close to decent, <laughs> me included. <laughs> you know? So, um, so, um, so Nick came in and did, a, did an amazing job. He's an amazing actor, another one of the great actors that's in the movie. But yeah, we, we staged a lot of it so we could actually stop and start to get the shots we wanted, some slow motion and things like that to kind of add a little bit of that cinematic quality to it. But, um, but yeah, uh, uh, but we shot a lot of live wrestling too. And, and we implemented that at certain, like I said, the montages that are put over music to really simulate. So the audience gets to really see a lot of us wrestling, but actually, uh, you know, it moves the story. It moves along with the story, too, because uh, there's so much more of the story other than just the wrestling in the movie. And um, one main thing to really remember about this story is that, you know, the guys in the story that are in the movie. They're all characters that are kind of past their prime, except for the young Alexander, the great character. And um and, and so when they get thrown into this position, so this basic uh, plot of the story is, is these, all these wrestlers, uh, kind of like in The Magnificent Seven, like, like my character gets all of them together to come together to go on this tour to help uh, somebody they really care about, to raise some money for somebody they really care about. And uh, they got to do, and it's the same thing. There's a click, in, uh, or click it's a ticking clock. I'm not saying that right. And, uh, so, you know, there's a time limit, like you know, we got to get this money by a certain date. And uh, and so we, this is the only way we know how to do it is go back on the road and do what we do best, which is wrestle. Uh, in the meantime, there's a, a parallel story that the viewer sees of this small town in North Florida that suddenly gets overtaken by these this alien force. And uh, and, uh, and as as it would be, of course, at some point these two worlds cross, and uh, we end up in the small town on on a day off in between shows, and uh, and then uh, we go to this festival, um, a big old friendly fight breaks out between us and the volunteer firefighters, you know, and, uh, and then uh, we end up to get thrown in the, in the local jail. Uh, the town starts to go haywire. We get busted out of the jail to help the small town. And the, the fun of the story is that, and the, really the, a lot of the, I think the heart of the story is that we as the characters at, at this point, we're not really sure, you know, if we can pull this off 20 years ago, we would have said, heck yeah, let's dive in. But now we're like, wait a minute. Like, you know, we're not, we're not those guys anymore. Can, you know, can we actually do this? So, so there's a lot of, um, you know, real um, uh, hurdles in the story to, to, to overcome. And, uh, and of course I will say that like the things that everybody thinks that they would see in this movie, I pr- promise you they're in there. There's a lot of great pro wrestling. There's uh, a lot of great music. There's a lot of great fight scenes. There's, of course, Tonga and epic fight scenes, which I think everybody would want to see Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen definitely does throw the lariat at some point in the movie, <laughs> yes. which everybody wants to see. Um, and uh, and there's there's gunfire and explosions, which I don't think most people would think they're going to see. And I always say it's it's um, one of the things I learned from from really researching a lot of directors and making this movie. Um, Hal Needham was always uh, Burt Reynolds' stunt guy, and he's the guy who came up with the concept for the movie Smoking the Bandit. 
And he, he had a great philosophy. He always said, you know, uh, action doesn't always have to be violent action. It can still be fun action. And, uh, and I always equate that to like if anybody ever saw the 18 TV series where there was always gunfire and explosions, but no one ever seemed to really, really get hurt. Uh, that's kind of how our action is in this movie. It's real fun action. But there's, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's, you know, pro wrestlers fighting aliens. You know, it's like, you know, uh, Ernest Miller has a great line in the movie. He says, you know, pro wrestlers versus aliens sounds like a monster movie. You know, so that's kind of what it is. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it really sounds like a movie for everybody. It is. I hope so. I hope people. Yes, I hope that's how people see it. And uh, um, and it's and like I said, uh, Lee, like you and I have talked about, we did, I want to put a movie out there that that people who are wrestling fans can feel really, really good about. And they can sit down with someone that maybe is not a wrestling fan and say, hey, I want you to watch this. This is, you know, I want them to go get someone else and watch it again. Because I will say this, there are a lot of, uh, Luther gives me, a, he gives me a hard time about this term, but I, I'm really, really big on the term, but have, you know, movie having Easter eggs in the movies. And, um, and there are a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. And, I, and we worked really, really hard to put some Easter eggs in there for wrestling fans that, um, like a good Disney movie does, that if you're not yeah. a fan of wrestling, you might not get it, but it won't it won't affect you know you enjoying the movie. But um, but there's there's some really good surprises in there for fans that that if you're a wrestling fan, you, you'll get it and you'll see it and you'll I hope you will really love some of the little Easter eggs that are in the movie. Awesome, awesome. And Luther, I agree with Ray with the term <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that, I don't that's, know where it that's... came from, but <laughs> no, that's really cool though because like. Anytime you watch a movie or like even a TV show, I'm always like looking for like little hints or, or something, you know, and the Disney movies do it uh, very great. And so I'm when I go to watch this, I'm going to have to watch it like three times right off the bat to see what yeah. I pick up after. There are a lot. I mean, we, we every time we would we would start the films or stuff, I think of sometimes and, and Luther would think of stuff and Tonga with uh, and Ernest. Everybody would kind of give their input. And there'd be things we throw in and we go, you know, that was never even in the script. We would just say, hey, this is kind of great. You know, it won't affect the scene as far as what we uh, what we need to get out of the scene. But if you're a wrestling fan, you might see it. You might be, ah, ah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Awesome. Ray, I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, the last thing I would love for you to do is go ahead and plug anything and everything from the the website movie again any social media you have any social media yeah. that fans can go for the movie your podcast breaking the ice with ray lloyd yeah, which is an awesome that show everybody yeah um, so go the floor is yours yeah well um i will say this uh i'm mainly you know as as you know i'm i'm, I'm the older guy so i'm mainly on facebook you know i'm trying to get uh, but i am on instagram and i'm trying to uh kickstart my twitter account again uh i kind of you know, logged out of it got locked out of it so i gotta call them and get it you know kind of where i can get, get that going again but uh but um but yeah i would say for anybody just please follow me on facebook on my personal page which is uh just ray lloyd uh i'm gonna be probably kicking my fan page up again which is glacier ray lloyd but uh yeah because i got a lot of interest in the stuff that i'm going to be uh, announcing here soon i'll i'll kind of cover some of it here um uh, of course, the film. The film is our heart and soul, and uh, it's just unbreakablebunch.com. So you go to our website, you can see all the updates, of the, and everybody, all the cast, and a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures from when we shot 
the principal photography back, uh, you know, back in 2019. And we tried to add newer pictures as we get them. But um, but yeah, and uh, one of the things that I'm also going to be doing here in the very near future is making uh, a big major announcement. I'm getting ready. One of the things I've seen the need for, and there's some uh, people that are doing this right now, which I think is great, um, is because I'm all for uh, anything that helps the wrestling business. And I'm getting ready to uh, make some big major announcements about doing some online coaching. And um, some that uh, is for the wrestling community, but also some that's just for wrestling fans who, um, you know, who can maybe just uh, benefit from a lot. I'm going to be sharing a lot of the life lessons that I learned from the pro wrestling business and how I applied them to other areas of my life and things that I think that might really help, uh, you know, especially aspiring pro wrestlers who, who are, as I call the dreamers, and, and I probably put myself in the category of being a dreamer is, you know, I've, I've walked that walk. I've, I've gone down that, that journey of trying to be a professional wrestler at the top level. I know what it takes. Uh, and um, mainly I, I know what it, I know that it takes someone believing in, in you and supporting your dreams, supporting your journey. And uh, I know a lot of young wrestlers out there just don't have a lot of that. And so that's a big reason why I've decided to, to, um, to start here in the near future in about a month or so. Um, and I'll be putting it on my Facebook page, the exact date when I'm going to be launching this, but is to uh, start a, um, a community of sorts to where a uh, membership type community where uh, aspiring pro wrestlers, they know they can come male and female. Also, you know, wrestler, I mean, referees, managers, valets, announcers, anyone connected to the wrestling business who's chasing this dream to know there's somewhere you can go that you can trust the information you're getting is honest and accurate information. Um, I always say, I don't know it all, but I know a lot about the pro wrestling industry. And I know just about everybody that is somebody in this business. And um, I just feel like there needs to be a, a good, supportive, safe community where people can go chase that dream realistically and, and know they're going to be supported. So uh, that's another thing I'll be making some big announcements about, about here real soon. And then my, uh, my podcast uh, co-partner and co-pilot, I declined. We're going to be, we're revamping right now the uh, breaking the ice with glacier podcast. And we're going to be, I'm going to make some announcements on my Facebook page about that coming up real soon. We're getting ready to fire that back up here uh, really, really soon. So, um, so yeah, I got a lot of things going on, but uh, definitely guys keep your eyes and ears open for, uh, and of course, Lee, I know um, uh, obviously, uh, I'll be keeping you updated as far as the film, but uh, unbreakablebunch.com, guys, check it out. And, uh, and, and I think you're going to love it when, it when it comes out. Just know if you're a wrestling fan, this movie, the blood, sweat, and the tears we went through is all for you to give you something you can be proud of. Absolutely. Ray, thank you again for coming on the show. And as you said, please keep me updated on the movie. Definitely Ladies budget. and gentlemen, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out.